Welcome to the 49th Meal Podcast. My name is Mitchell Howe and I am your host. I'm going to take you along a journey throughout the state of Alaska where we'll meet the men and women that make the food that you love. All right, everyone. So we are here with Dwayne Clark and he is a farmer here in the Palmer area. So I will let him go ahead and introduce himself and tell you about his farm. Well, thanks for inviting me. I uh, moved here to uh, Palmer in uh, 2000. And my wife grew up here in Alaska, got into farmer's markets, and now we uh, strictly uh, work more with beef, raising hay, and uh, supply hay to some folks. But uh, I run a farmer's market on Thursdays at the uh, Midtown Mall, formerly the mall at Sears in Anchorage. And what what got you into farming beef up here? I know it's not a real big sector up here in the Alaska farming well, my father-in-law has been uh, farming for 40-plus years and kind of just got working with him, and that's kind of how it transitioned. I'm kind of working more into it. And um, now, raising beef in Alaska, what what challenges do you have being up here compared to somebody, say, uh, Texas, Montana, some of the bigger farming states in the lower 48s? Well, partly. Climate's going to be a factor, of course. Um Feed, uh, putting up feed, um, that's a challenge with, uh, you know, summertime conditions. You don't always get dry like you like, but uh, <laughs> we have uh, uh, technology with uh, plastic wraps that help us ferment hay and, and preserve it so that, that some of those get addressed that way. And now with um, climate, obviously, Alaska, last summer we went from record heats to now Today we have about four four inches of snow out there. So how how do you kind of control and monitor some of that climate, the wild swings in the climate? Well, more we just roll with it. it we can't <laughs> we can't control those, but uh, they're pretty hardy cattle, and they, they we deal with a lot of situations and just kind of make it work. And what type of cattle do you raise? Galloway is. Uh, a kind of a mainstay variety of, of those. And then uh, a few years ago, we brought some Pinsgauer, which is Austrian breed of cattle. And they have a very nice temperament and very manageable, good to work with. And how big is your herd? Like how, how, how many cattle do you, do you raise a year or um, just kind of on average? We're working with about 60 right now. Um, that that's dealing with some uh, some mothers and some young ones, and then here we got uh, you know April May got new ones dropping on the ground, so that's oh. that's coming up. Oh wow! And uh, how big is the beef market up here in Alaska for Alaska grown beef? You know, it it's kind of in transition a little bit. It was working into just meeting people, finding out their needs. Also, you know, some folks, you know, they may not have gotten the moose or caribou last year, and then they look us up and and uh, grab some beef and and make that work. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't even think about that. Is since there is so much sustainable hunting up here, that is a good fallback. And now um, you were talking about uh, raising hay. Yeah, do you mind kind of telling us the process and how you grow hay? I guess would be the the term. I I know uh, for myself and maybe a lot of our listeners, only thing we know about hay is you go to the feed store, pick it up, and you put it out during the uh, Halloween harvest time or to feed some animals. Yeah, certainly. The uh, 
processes of making hay. Technically, grass is one of the best things that grows up here, just with the long daylight, the good weather, and not so good weather sometimes, but it's a durable crop that is readily available. See, I knew I wasn't crazy. We came from Texas, and you don't see grass in Texas. Everything's dead. (laughs) Yeah, so it grows very well up here. It's one of the best-kept secrets of, you know, these native grasses growing well. Um, brome is a good quality of hay that uh, horse people prefer. Also, some of that with Timothy, but uh, brome really does well with goats and sheep. So, you know, smaller people that have smaller flocks, they, they like to look us up and, and, and purchase hay. So when we're out making hay, we go out and cut it and um, it needs to you know, lay on the ground for a few days to dry. Okay. And then we stir it up with a tetter, and that just fluffs it up and turns it over and lets it dry better. The wind can pass through it. And then uh, we rake it, bale it. We can we have the opportunity to make square bales, or we have the uh, ability to make round bales. So uh, that, that's can, that can work very well in... It, whatever folks are looking for, some folks only want small quantities. And how much uh, how much hay do you do you get off your farm? You know, we work in several different places. Uh, we can put up uh, over a thousand round bales a, a cutting, and we get two cuttings a year. So, so that, okay. that that's that's manageable. And uh, what? How big is your farm? <laughs> you know, we. We live on about 60 acres. We're in downtown Palmer, right next to the courthouse. There's some cattle in the fence across from Academy Charter School there. And uh, so we farm there. We farm a couple other parcels that uh, are open. And uh, there's close to 300 acres of hay ground that we oh, use. Oh, wow. Do you guys do, I know a big thing, obviously, for Alaska in general is tourists. In the summer, I'm sure you guys get people poking and prodding around. Do you guys do like any tours or events for tourists to be able to see? And We're not really set up for those. Um, you know, here and there, every once in a while, you know, tourists will drive in and, and stop and say hi, but we're not really set up for that. We're just okay. keep busy producing, <laughs> and, and, producing and marketing and, and doing that. And now um, if people are – Interested, you said um, you work the farmer's market. I do a farm, farmer's market every Thursday, 10 to 6, at the Midtown Mall. And I do have a v- availability to work with folks here in the valley as well. Do you guys sell any of your beef, like uh, Three Bears or any of the major? No, we're not set up that way right now. Uh, mostly it's just Market Direct is okay. how we're doing it. And um, at the same time, we're looking for some more openings or availability into possibly restaurants or, you know, into those types of venues and grocery stores, kind of a big shot uh, yeah. to, to study into, but uh, that's not, a, we're not opposed to that. And now um, I, I've noticed myself from the kitchen trends and especially up here in Alaska, it seems like uh, food security, food sustainability is becoming a bigger and bigger issue. Um, do you see that movement in the beef sector up here since it is kind of a smaller People are more worried about where their food comes from and being able to provide that food security. 
Certainly. I, I do meet a lot of folks who have those concerns and we discuss it regularly. <laughs> and then, you know, with, you know, people are not as, as happy with how the beef market is, you know, feedlot raised versus grass fed, grass finished is quite a comparison difference and in quality and taste and all those factors. Is there a major difference? Obviously, you were talking about like feedlot raised to grass fed. Um, I know a big thing has been like the organic. What is some of the major differences for your your beef being able to be grass fed over feedlot? What we learn and hear about often is the uh, the healthy fats in beef are better better achieved by doing grass fed, grass finished. Whereas sometimes you know they can finish them faster get them to size faster for market when they do the feedlot situations. And so we're not, we're not really even competing in that arena. Okay. We're just trying to raise the best we can. And how, how big is um, the average cow that goes to market? Cause I know most people, we don't really know much about that. We go to the supermarket, we pick up our steaks and go home. And uh, so about how big does a cow have to be before it, it makes it to market size. You know, typically we're working, it can be a thousand pounds to 12 and 1300 pounds. Oh, wow. <laughs> on, on the hoof, on, on those sizes. And now, um, what is something you want people to know about farming up here in Alaska? Maybe some misconceptions or just something you'd like for our listeners to know a little more about? Well, Farm is not the the first choice of a lot of people. It's it's going to take a lot of a lot of effort to get into. So so established farms are doing okay, but it just takes a lot of effort to maintain a lot of a lot of challenges. Uh, of course, seasons you know they change, and but uh, being able to being able to preserve hay and then feed consistent quality feed, we've got that down to a science sort of and that that works pretty well and then just uh just finding more market and just letting people know that hey these things are available here and um a lot of folks aren't are not preferring the grocery store variety of beef and you know what what people learn are are in those things and we've got a opportunity for clean finished beef up here and now um speaking about that like storing the hay fermenting the hay and stuff uh, that's something i know very little about so so what is in the process of um storing or fermenting the hay when we go out to bale the hay it may not be prime conditions so when uh and bailing the hay just just uh so far listener that's like when you're driving down the road you see the big plastic wrap circles Laying out in the field where there's some so many feet apart and stuff. That's what yes. you're referring to, right? Yes, yes. So when we when we do that, um, we're able to have a product that is not completely dry, and then we wrap it in plastic. And the reason we do that, it keeps the oxygen out, and oxygen will uh, destroy or, or break down the product. So if you can block out that oxygen, it will ferment inside for about thirty days. Okay. And then, and then be cured. So then it just sits there and keeps it dry until you're ready to feed. Okay. And, um, 
with uh what what is your growing seasons for hay you know we'll get it it'll get it'll start growing mid late april and um sometimes we can get two cuttings last year with how dry it was we only got one cutting in most places so that those are challenges we face regularly <laughs> and about how much uh, hay do you do a year in um we can get in some fields it, it's going to vary because the 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 ratios and the 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 height the the density of the field um you know we can easily do a thousand and then get up closer to two thousand sometimes it just depends on how many cuttings we can get and into those arenas okay and all right and now um being on the farm um i know we talked a little bit off mic about um having some vegetables salsas honeys Stuff like that. You want to share a little bit of uh, information on those endeavors that you take under? Yeah, certainly. So with the farmer's market that I operate, I'm mainly producing the beef. So I source uh, some honey from a local guy. And uh, right here in Palmer, he sets up uh, about 60 to 80 beehives a year. So uh, Oh, wow. So we're able to keep good, consistent supply of honey. And uh, folks really like local honey, and a lot of people tell me that they get benefit from local honey from allergies, and because of what's in the area, they get support when it's allergy season. So they're happy that way. Yes, and that breakup spring is coming, Certainly. sneaking up on us fast. And that's I know uh, when I first came up here, I was right during, right at the start of breakup, and as soon as everything bloomed, oh my god, I was I was just miserable. Yes. And now, uh, what about salsas? Because I, I lived in Texas for 10 years, and I, I'm a pretty hefty guy. And I love me some uh, good chips and salsas. So a friend of ours, Larry, uh, he flew around the southwest part of the country and would uh, pick up salsa and take it home and try to copy it. Well, he finally landed on a recipe, and Larry and his wife, her, her name started with an L, so they call it Double L Salsa. He retired, lived up in Willow. He was very well known at the Colony High School Christmas Bazaar and up at the Willow Farmer's Market. And so uh, he passed away about uh, in 2014. And so a friend of mine, Berge Family Farm, they uh, purchased the recipe. And so they make it and we sell it in his memory. Nice. That's really great to hear, to hear uh, being able to continue on with his legacy. Yes. Listeners find you or the farmer's market, anything on any type of social media or what's, or is it just kind of come by or what's the no, best way? We're, we're on Facebook. Dwayne's top shelf artisan market is what our name is. And, uh, so we're, we're not the biggest flashiest market around, but it's more of a health and wellness focused market. And, uh, that's that, uh, I've got several vendors that, uh, participate with us there. Uh, Farm 779, Elderberry Essentials, uh, Sunny Hill Yak Ranch, and then uh, Keto To Go is a, a, one of our newer vendors, and uh, she does a lot of keto baked goods that uh, people really, really latch on to well. Excellent. And uh, if you want to just go ahead and let everybody know one more time where they can find that market in the hours. Sure. Uh, Dwayne's Top Shelf Artisan Market is what it is at the Midtown Mall on uh, Thursdays, 10 to 6. And we will include all of uh, those directions, hours, everything in our show notes. 
Well, thank you so much, Dwayne, for coming out and telling us about farming up here in Alaska that I'm sure a lot of us didn't really know about. Thanks. I enjoyed the opportunity. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the interview, please go ahead and be sure to check the show notes so you can follow our guests on their social media. And we also ask that you please give us a thumbs up or a rating wherever you are listening to this podcast. And if you did not like the show, well, just go ahead and listen to something else then. Nobody needs a negative Nancy. Thank you for listening to my daddy, Hugh Ladle.